Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We've been ta- talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. So are you for the rich or poor? We'll talk about that. Also, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. It is January the 9th, and on this day in 1776, writer Thomas Paine published his pamphlet, Common Sense, setting forth his arguments in favor of American independence. Although little used today, pamphlets were an important medium for spreading the ideas in the 16th through the 19th centuries. Originally published anonymously, Common Sense advocated independence for the American colonies from Britain, and it's considered one of the most influential pamphlets in American history. Credited with uniting average citizens and political leaders behind the idea of independence, Common Sense played a remarkable role in transforming a colonial squabble into the American Revolution. At the time, Paine wrote, Common Sense, most colonists considered themselves to be aggrieved Britons. Paine fundamentally changed the tenor of colonists' arguments with the Crown when he wrote the following, Europe, and not England, is the parent company of a country of America. This new world hath been an asylum for the persecuted lovers of civil and religious liberty from every part of Europe. Here that they have fled, not for the tender embraces of the mother, but from the cruelty of the monster. And it is far from true of uh, so far true of England that the same tyranny which drove the first immigrants from home pursues their descendants still. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> it's, you know, kind of uh, high language, but irrespective of such an important message. Payne was born in England in 1737 and worked as a corset maker in his teens and later as a sailor and school teacher before becoming a prominent pamphleteer. In 1774, Payne arrived in Philadelphia and soon came to support American independence. Two years later, his 47-page pamphlet sold some 500,000 copies, powerfully influencing American opinion. Payne went on to serve in the U.S. Army and worked for the Committee of Foreign Affairs during, uh, before returning to Europe in 1787. Back in England, he was continued writing pamphlets in support of revolution. He released The Rights of Man, supporting the French Revolution, and in answer to Edmund Burke's famous reflections on uh, revolution in France, his sentiments were highly unpopular with the still uh, British government, so he fled to France where he was later arrested for his political opinions. He returned to the United States in 1802 and died in New York in 1809. Made a great contribution to American thought and the American Revolution. Thomas Paine. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signed an executive order activating the Florida National Guard, directing state law enforcement agencies and other state agencies to provide resources in support of local governments responding to the alarm influx of migrants landing in the Florida Keys and providing additional support towards efforts to prevent further migrants landing in the Florida shores. It's particularly burdensome for the Monroe, Monroe County Sheriff's Office, which had 194 deputies, 
to dedicate the necessary resources to manage the movement of hundreds of migrants while also ensuring adequate public safety. The Biden administration's response has been inept, failing to provide resources necessary to respond to the current mass migration event. Instead, the burden falls on local government law enforcement, which puts Floridians at risk. The state of Florida will now deploy air assets, including airplanes and helicopters from the Florida National Guard, and will bolster Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission Maritime Patrol to support water interdictions and ensure the safety of migrants attempting to reach Florida through the Florida Straits. Florida has a long history of helping refugees, including Cubans and others fleeing communist regimes, uh, find support after they arrive in the United States. However, this has always been involved uh, support from the federal government at large, coordinating efforts among states, federal, and local governments. On January the 1st, 2023, approximately 300 uh, aliens unlawfully entered Dry Tortugas National Park, uh, about 70 miles west of Key West, with an additional 45 illegal aliens entering Key West. This massive influx of illegal migrants uh, caused the park to close to ensure the safety of visitors and staff. So uh, Governor DeSantis, again, taking action as he always does, but also pointing out the failure of uh, this administration's support uh, lawfulness when it comes to migration. Representative Kevin McCarthy was elected House Speaker after uh, midnight Saturday on the 15th round of voting, uh, marking the conclusion of an intense week of negotiations with Republican defectors and a dramatic Friday night packed with tension and near physical altercation. He received 216 votes, uh, which, uh, because many members voted present, uh, gave him enough votes to uh, make, win the day and the uh, speakership. Uh, the, uh, <clears throat> some, there were many. Uh, there was a negotiation behind the scenes and some, I think, pretty important concessions from the speaker's office uh, in order to uh, get these votes, including uh, a Jeffersonian motion to vacate the chair. This allows a single person to make the motion to remove the speaker if he goes back on his word or policy agenda. A church-style committee, this would allow us to look into the weaponization of organizations like the FBI against the American people. This is so important. A term limit vote, single-subject bills that can't be loaded with irrelevant nonsense, Texas border plan, a budget that stops an increase in the debt ceiling and holds Senate Senate accountable. This is important. This discussion has to begin very soon because what typically happens is waiting to the 11th hour and then having to pass something. No, we need a plan to stop spending now so that when, when the date comes in August or September that uh, the spending is already in control. And then ending emergency funding and all COVID mandates and, and funding. And 72 hours to read a bill. Is that asking too much? I don't think so. By the way, what's conspicuously absent in the list is addressing uh, the injustice of January 6th prisoners in the Capitol jail. Can't believe that Ashley Babbitt's mother was arrested for jaywalking because she wanted to honor her daughter on the anniversary of her murder. Unbelievable. Stephen Morris, Committee to Unleash Prosperity, retweeted this. Republicans promised to defund 87,000 new IRS agents The $1.7 trillion omnibus includes funding for IRS expansion, and 27 Republicans voted in favor of the bill. 
just pointing out some of the hypocrisy even among uh, Republicans. Well, new proposals in the work to, would create a state-run board to control the Reedy Creek Improvement District and require that Disney pay all of its debts, according to senior officials from uh, Governor Ron DeSantis' office. So uh, what's going to happen is the legislation will be proposed to uh, take over the running of the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And the concern, and the reason they want to do this, as opposed to just pass it on to uh, the uh, counties, is that the concern that uh, they'll simply uh, retax people for the money that's owed by Disney, and uh, they don't want to do that. They want to make sure that Disney pays its fair share of the uh, debts that uh, going forward. So we'll see how this, this goes, but uh, I think it's a pretty good idea. What appears to be thousands of supporters of former Brazilian President uh, Bolsonaro stormed the National Congress building in Brasilia on Sunday, as well as the presidential palace in the nation's top court, according to a news agency. The protesters were calling for military intervention to overthrow President uh, Lula, he goes by Lula, who was inaugurated last week. Since the October 30 elections in which Lula defeated Bolsonaro, hundreds of people have been camped in front of the army headquarters in Brasilia. Footage showed, uh, social media showed uh, hundreds of people pouring into the building. Protesters met with police uh, tear gas. According to Lusa, the news agency, the group wearing yellow and green T-shirts and Brazilian flags crossed uh, police barriers and climbed the ramp, which allows access to uh, the roof of the Chamber of Deputies and uh, state buildings. Furniture, glass was smashed. Uh, the uh, Apparently the Supreme Court uh, uh, chambers were somewhat destroyed, uh, although there were no no deaths and uh, violence was at a minimum or not a lot of people injured. But irrespective, it appears now, I saw uh, on social media that it's right now the uh, p police, the military police are on the side of Lula and the army apparently is could be siding uh, with Bolsonaro. So this could end up to be extended and could be somewhat of a coup d'etat. President Joe Biden inspected a busy port of entry along the U.S.-Mexico border on Sunday, his first trip to the region after two years in office, as Republicans hammer him for being soft on border security while a number of migrants cross, crossing spirals. He did not meet with migrants or see the area when they were camped out during his visit. The network uh, spoke with uh, migrants who said that they were under the impression that Biden would visit and had planned to ask him to speed up the process and allow them entry into the country. Biden watched as border officials in El Paso, Texas, demonstrated how they searched vehicles for drugs, etc., contraband. In a sign of deep political tensions over migration, Republican uh, Governor Greg Abbott handed uh, Biden a letter upon his arrival saying that the chaos at the border was the direct result of the president's failure to enforce federal laws, and that's certainly the case. Biden plan, uh, planned to spend a few hours in the city, currently in the biggest corridor for illegal crossings, in large part due to Nicaraguans uh, fleeing repression, crime, and poverty in their country. They also are among uh, migrants from four countries who are now subject to quick expulsion under the new rules enacted by the Biden administration in the past week that drew strong criticism from immigration advocates. The president met with border officials to discuss migration as well as the increased trafficking of a fentanyl and other synthetic opioids. Biden was scheduled to visit El Paso County Migrant Services Center and meet with nonprofits and religious groups that support migrants. It's not clear whether he actually did that.
So uh, Biden's announcement on border security and his visits to the border are aimed in part at quelling the political noise and blunting the impact of upcoming investigations into immigration uh, promised by the House Republicans. But uh, it looks like uh, uh, the Border Patrol made this statement. We're beyond frustrated and taken uh, uh, Biden two, it's taken Biden two years to do anything. We're beyond frustrated that he's allowed this issue to get as bad as it is. He's not coming to the border on his own accord. He would not have done that if he had uh, come on his own accord. He would have done it a long time ago. And uh, morale is quite low, and, and there's been migrant, according to U.S. Customs and Border Patrol Protection, there were more than 2.4 million migrants crossing the southern border in fiscal year 2022 alone. Uh, Judd said the president's visit is two years too late, and the only reason that for the visit is because you know, now have Democrats, his constituency, his base now, that are very upset. So uh, El Paso is being cleaned up. Uh, as if nothing unusual ever happened, uh, they did a real cleansing of the whole area. So for his, for the optics and for the cameras, uh, what a joke! Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. He's President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's talk about current global events and uh, big things going on in Brazil. Absolutely, Bob. The um, supporters of former President Bolsonaro... Uh, we were convinced somehow that the election was a fraud because he said in advance it would be a fraud. And they stormed the parliament, the Supreme Court building. They took over the, con- the, the various government buildings in the capital. Um, but the army came in and restored order and arrested all, not all the protesters, but a significant part of number of the protesters. I think 300 so, is what, they, uh, what I read. Some, some, some number. More were involved, obviously. Um, Bolsonaro, it's not clear where he is. They, people believe he's in Florida, but it's not totally clear that he's in Florida. And um, they're unhappy with the results. But no one, there is no independent observer whatsoever who doesn't in, who claims there was any significant amount of fraud. And as a matter of fact, I don't even think Bolsonaro actually claimed that. So, um, but we seem to be in a world these days where if you don't win, it has to be because of fraud. There's no, there's no way you could lose. Legitimately, that seems to be the the, the, the the tendency worldwide to some extent. If you if you didn't win, it got to be you know it can't be legitimate. And uh, unfortunately, we got that's a bad direction to go. Let's put it that way. In any in any place, anywhere in the world, you lose, you win, you lose. That's that's what elections are all about. That's what democracy is all about. You win or you lose. And um, well, by and large, I, I would suggest, Mark, that, that also there is fraud. And when for, uh, would you agree that if there is fraud, it needs to be ferreted out and, and exposed? Yeah, but there's so much less fraud today than there ever was in previous years. I mean, there, there used to be a fair amount of fraud in, in elections. Today, there almost, there's almost none. Um, there has been, you know, I'm, I'm, I know we disagree on this, but there's there was zero or close to zero fraud in the last American presidential election. And there seems to be a, have been no fraud in this Brazilian election. Yeah, you know, there was fraud back in the days of Tammany Hall in New York back in the 1890s and in those periods of time. There may have even been fraud in, with uh, Richard Daly in Chicago in 1960. No, they, they, um, apparently, one of the big issues for the protesters is the, uh, they're looking for, quote-unquote, looking for the code. I would suppose that means the code to the uh, uh, election machines, to the machi- which are very controversial. Okay, that's another, it's, well, it's all nonsensical. It's the same thing as the fake... Fake, fake election machines in America. There was never any. There's never any such thing. I mean, there were, there were independent observers in Brazil that double-checked all of these things. And, there, and remember something else. In both cases, you know, and Bolsonaro was in power when he lost the election. You know, you the times when you think of fraud, and of course there was fraud, like say in the in the Russian election where Putin wins ninety-nine to zero. Right? That's obviously not a real election. But those are cases where the government itself is maintaining itself, and by by pulling off 
fraud on, on a massive scale. So here, here's here, another thing that I, that I found in social media. Yeah, and again, I don't know if it's true, but apparently the military police are supporting Lula and the army uh, as uh, believed to be. So there's kind of a standoff between the army and the and the. Uh, uh, actually, it's the local it's the local police that are supporting some of some of the regular police are supporting Bolsonaro. The army is not, from what I understand, uh-huh. the army is the ones who came in. But it's not a standoff. It's over at this point. I mean, it's. Um, there is no look. They were Brazil was more or less a democracy. Bolsonaro was trying to push it in a different direction, but he didn't succeed. There was an election. He lost the election. Um, and you know, like we've discussed on the show before, it's a bit of a it's a problematic situation in Brazil because you've gone from such extremes between Bolsonaro and Lula, the extremes in terms of their political views yeah. on both ends of the spectrum. But he lost. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it was clear he was probably going to lose because all the opinion polls were showing that he was going to lose. Um, because he wasn't, you know, Bolsonaro has his supporters, but they weren't the majority in the end. So, and I mean, so, it, it, this thing, I think, it finally uh, went for about three hours. It was closed down. Uh, we'll see where this goes. I mean, I, I, I think this was a, a closed issue a week or two ago, but now it's kind of reemerged again. We'll see how this See what happens. Well, yeah, but again, people, listen, people have to stop talking about previous elections. Go work about winning the next election. That's the reality. That, that is the way, that's the way democracies are supposed to go. You have an election. The election is over. You win, you lose. If you lose, make your plans so you can win the next time around. That's what it amounts to. That's what, that's what democracies have always been about and elections are always about. There's always a winner. There's always a loser. Uh, there have been in history faked elections, but by and large, especially in the United States over the years, 98% of the elections have been been pretty legitimate. There have been very little acts of fraud throughout American history. And I don't know about Brazilian history, but certainly this election was, was carefully looked at. There's no, there's no clear, there's no evidence of any significant fraud in this election. Um, again, people have a sense that if they... If they didn't win, it must be because there was something, you know, something wrong at play. And guess what? You lose elections. That's well, the way it goes. You win some, you lose some. That's that's what elections are all about. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with this. Mark, uh, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. 
Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. Most health insurance plans don't cover international travel, so you want to make sure you can travel worry-free, get a free quote, by going to the website, internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Let's move to what's happening uh, in Russia Uh so in Russia, it seems to have a situation where Putin is under additional criticism, it would seem, uh, coming from his right, not from, in the terms of people saying that he's not, uh, he's not uh, controlling the war in the way they expected, he's not being vigorous enough. It's gotten to the point where <clears throat> yesterday the Russians made up a retaliatory raid in which they killed 600 Ukrainians in a particular town. And um, it was it was fiction. It was purely fiction huh. for the home front to show, to to say they're actually succeeding somewhere. So, I mean, I believe that foreign correspondents went to the city which they claimed to have killed 600 Ukrainians and could find uh, just a slightly damaged building, no buildings destroyed, and hospitals were basically empty. Huh. So, um, they they're really trying to find ways to to make up for it and to try to show that they really fighting back and being successful, which they're really not. Um, so we'll have to see. There is there's growing criticism at this point um, in Russia, even though most people still support the war. Um, we'll see where this goes. I mean, Putin can't afford to lose it, but it's not quite clear how he's going to win it. So um, time will tell, obviously. And, of course, like everything else in a war, things can take surprising turns. So we'll have to see. Well, how about how about Ukraine? What's what's happening in Ukraine? In Ukraine itself, I mean, the Russians keep on attacking. They're 
energy infrastructure, and the Ukrainians keep on rebuilding it. Uh, by all accounts, Ukraine is is working towards a new offensive. Um, they've, they're getting additional arms, both from the United States now, from Germany, from France, um, and they're starting to get uh, attack armored vehicles. The United States is giving them Bradley fighting vehicles. Um, the Germans are also giving them uh, advanced armored cars. There's talk about the Germans giving them tanks finally. Um, so um, they're, they're preparing themselves for an offensive operation. We'll see where, where that goes at this point. Uh, the Russians continue to have the biggest problem they have is their 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 personnel just doesn't want to fight. I mean, there was a report yesterday of the Russians shooting their own troops who wanted to surrender. Huh. So, so you mentioned offensive. So, are you suggesting that perhaps Ukraine might be preparing to attack Russia? Well, not Russia itself, but the Russian Russian occupied parts of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So, um, don't forget the, the, the Ukrainians have managed to win back about forty percent of the area that was captured since this war began. So there's still another 60% to win back. And then, of course, there's Crimea, which the Russians captured in, uh, in 2014. How about the so, uh, Russians' plan to uh, attack the infrastructure in Ukraine in order to cut off electricity? And make it it hasn't really gone all that well. I mean, it, it knows it's working in terms of they're, they're attacking the infrastructure. However, um, the Ukrainians are able to, to replace it pretty quickly. They work very hard, they were, and they were able to replace a lot of it. They've also received hundreds, if not thousands, of generators at this point from the West, from different countries, and throughout the West have been sending generators very quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and um, the Ukrainians are also a pretty high-tech country, actually. People don't think about it that way, but Ukraine for the last 10 years or so, or 15 years, has been the back office for many, many... Uh, app developers and computer programmers and software companies where they all maintain offices and they give out work in Ukraine. And so I know a number of companies that, that basically do a lot of their R&D in Ukraine because they have really good developers and they app, they work con- compared to American or Israeli or British prices pretty inexpensively. Hmm, so interesting. Well, let's let's move to Iran because again, mob persecutions and deaths going on in Iran right now. And right, so they, 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 they've they've been they've been killing some of the protesters. They've been executing them. It looks like the demonstrations, at least for the moment, are have tamped down to some extent. It's not clear whether that's temporary or not. Um, but for the moment, there's less demonstrations than there were. Maybe people are being are afraid. You know, killing some of the demonstrators, executing them, sort of has an effect without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, I'm, I'm worried that ultimately it won't succeed and the Ayatollahs will remain in power and then we'll have the worst of all worlds. Yeah. So. Yeah, but the people aren't, uh, it doesn't appear that they're giving up. You're suggesting that the, because of the uh, demonstrations have kind of been reduced that perhaps the, uh, thing, the uh, insurrection is kind of quelled at this point? I wouldn't go that far. I would say it's not growing. How about that for the moment? Okay. Um, you know, again, we, we, we know so little, um, and we don't we don't really know uh, what's fully going on, but it, but it seems to be quelt, being quelled to some extent. Um, it could suddenly sprout out again also, so it's, it's, it's not at all clear. I mean, they certainly are not winning the minds and love of the people, let's put it that way. Right. But, uh, but will, they, will they be fearful enough that's always the question. You know, we've discussed this all along. That's that's the question. 
What about the fear factor for the molas? <laughs> you have to be so Yeah, well, that's, a, that, that's always an issue, but that's often why... Look, dictators often double down because the alternative for them is not particularly good either. Right, exactly. Well, we'll see how this plays out. In the meantime, uh, President Biden is on his way to Mexico City, uh, which, quite, quite frankly, is not a safe place, but nevertheless going there for a summit with uh, the countries of America. What are your thoughts? Well, again, look, America's two biggest trading partners are Canada and Mexico. Mm-hmm. So as much as we talk about China and all these other places, those are the two biggest trading partners. Of course, we share two big long borders with both those countries. Um, we have a lot in common, and there are always issues that come up. And it's, I think it's a, obviously a positive thing to, to get together and discuss some of those issues. Uh, there are challenges, as we know. Um, and, um, of course, there's a challenge of the border. You know, this is one of those issues. The issue of immigration to the United States has been bedeviling the United States, actually forever, obviously, but certainly for the last 20 years. And as long as America is a destination that people want to get to, uh, we have a problem that we have not been able to come to grips with. And I don't care which, who's been the president or who's been, you know, the policies. There are more people want to get to America than we want to take in at any given moment. And there's certain justification for people wanting to leave Cuba and other countries where there's persecution going on. Uh, the thing is that right now in Mexico is is somewhat of an anarchy, at least in the close to the border. Yeah. Right. Well, they have a drug anarchy. Most of the immigrants that are coming to the United States are not coming from Mexico, by the way. I mean, right. That that was 20 years ago. Most of the immigrants are coming from further down in in Central America, primarily where their economic conditions are worse. The economic conditions in Mexico are reasonably good these days because a lot of um, manufacturing is now being done in Mexico as opposed to China. And a lot of companies came to the conclusion a while ago, and certainly during COVID, it's better to have manufacturing where you can send a truck, basically. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, helped in that as well. So... Mexico is doing considerably better economically, so there are very few Mexicans who are trying to come to America because of uh, because of economic needs. I mean, there are those who are trying to avoid some of the the drug cartels and those issues, but those are primarily just you know border border areas. It's not really interior Mexico as much. Um, so uh, the immigration problem is the people are coming into Mexico from other parts of of the world, right? Uh, primarily, obviously, from Central America. Look, we have a problem. Uh, that in many ways the United States is, is gripped with this problem since since it was founded, right? Uh, nation of immigrants, everyone in the world wants to come, which is a good thing, right? If people, if people didn't want to come to America, we'd be asking ourselves, why would people not want to come to America, right? Right. Uh, so we know people want to come to America for mostly good reasons. I mean, some for bad reasons, but mostly good reasons. People want to come, you know, for for both economic opportunity and political opportunity. Well, the other big Freedom, issue, of course, is the uh, fentanyl and the uh, illegal drugs that are coming, and the uh, human trafficking. Right, but the, the, the fentanyl and the, the drugs are mostly coming via the port, by the way. They're being smuggled in on a, a commercial basis, let's put it this way. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not coming in by individuals being mules. They're coming, they're coming in commercially in, in large numbers. Um, human trafficking, again, that, that gets back to the same problem, right? In other words, the, the solution... To the immigration problem, in my opinion, is some version of setting numbers reasonably high um, and then basically saying anyone who comes illegally will never get citizenship or some version they're in. Um, and then trying to figure out. Do you have the other problem, which is, 
which is a which is a problem that's very hard to deal with, which is the question of of asylum seekers, because the United States signed a worldwide agreement to people seeking asylum. Now, how do you define what asylum is, and how do you def- you know how do you define it? People deserve asylum. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you could do is, I guess, you could quintuple the number of asylum judges and literally have courts at the border mm-hmm. instead of having a situation where you have a year backlog. Um, you know, maybe maybe the solution is really to have courts at the border. Assume you're going to it's going to take you two years to get through the backlog, but don't let anyone else in and, and asylum except have, see hear their cases immediately. Right. I don't, that may be a solution, and I understand you're going to have the the people who are waiting for their asylum hearings. It's going to be much longer. They're going to be they're going to be in America for a longer period of time because you're not going to be able to get to the to the. But maybe we should do something like that. You know. Well, we're going to forget about all the people who came in the last two years. We're not going to, the asylum courts are not going to get to them. We're going to get to only the people who are arriving right now. And so every person who arrives with seeks asylum, their, their court date will be for the next day. Hmm. Uh, uh, reasonable solution seems to me that we should have uh, also ch- change the law so that we can enforce the law and really stand behind the law as opposed to... Well, it depends uh, which, which law are we talking about, though. That's the problem. Immigration laws. I mean, we're... But what, is it, what does that mean, though? And it changes the law what? The, re- the, the issue here is people... The, the, the problem is we're a signature on the United Nations Agreement on Asylum Seekers. That was created after World War II for people mm-hmm. seeking asylum. And... So what people are doing is they're playing the system to some extent and claiming they're going to be persecuted, and therefore they're seeking asylum in the United States. The problem that exists is in order to determine whether they reasonably uh, fear for their lives and therefore have a reason to, re- to seek asylum is a judicial process. So I'm saying let's speed it all up. Mark, I, I would agree with you, but on the other hand, uh, I truly believe that one of the ways to get rid of bad laws is to enforce the laws that are in place. But which, which, law, which law is not being impl- in, enforced? Well, we have people coming across the borders illegally that don't have, uh, that are basically just want a better way of life. That, that No, I understand that, but, the, but, the point, but my, my point is, the, those people right now, anyone who comes and doesn't seek asylum is being sent right back, right? People are smart enough to say they're seeking asylum. The law, the international law that exists is when you request asylum, you're request has to be adjudicated at, right yeah what adjudicated yeah. adjudicated it must be adjudicated i i come and say i'm an asylum seeker i'm about to be killed for my political views in nicaragua or wherever it might be right well mark you know if what as 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 usual uh, at the very end of our conversations we have so much more to talk about <laughs> so <laughs> i just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show thank you so much for joining us my pleasure Bob. have right. a great week you as well thank you so much all right coming up we're going to be visiting with uh larry reed he is the president emeritus of the foundation for economic education that and more right here in the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. Also building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be great. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us uh, Larry Reed, he is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are an educational foundation focused on young people of high school and college age, and our purpose is to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, private property, free enterprise, entrepreneurship, and personal character. And we do that through our website, which features new, fresh commentary every day of the week. And it's at fee, dot org, and also through programs for uh, students all over the world, uh, especially here in the U.S. Terrific organization. If you have a young person in your life, high school or college age, please introduce them to fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, you wrote a column, uh, Are You for the Rich or the Poor?, well, the proper way to answer uh, the question is uh, a, a question here. What, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, most people are sort of conditioned to respond in a particular way uh, to that question. If you ask someone, are you for the rich or the poor, uh, most people want to say, oh, I'm for the poor, uh, and I have a problem with the rich. Uh, some, of course, would go way off the deep end and uh, say that they despise the rich mm -hmm. and they love the poor. And there's sort of a cultural bias, uh, fairly widespread, to be for the poor and against the rich. And in this article, I try to point out that uh, that's an unfortunate stereotype that requires that we uh, blow away the smoke and get down to real-world details. And the fact is 
that there are good people among the poor, there are bad people among the poor. And the same is precisely true with the rich. You can't stereotype uh, based upon some broad category like uh, the amount of personal possessions. You need instead to look at individual character. Uh, Who could be against a poor person who is poor through no fault of his own, but who could be unqualifiedly for a poor person who is poor because of his bad choices? Yeah. Uh, and the same is true of the rich. I mean, in the whole question, doesn't it just appear like another form of identity politics, like uh, racism and so forth? Yes, it is. It's, uh, and it's a kind of virtue signaling as well. A lot of people like to beat their chest and say, I'm for the poor. Uh, because it makes them feel good. But, uh, you know, in, in the long run, if, if you decide that the poor are just one big amorphous blob and you treat them all the same, well, you'll be, uh, uh, you'll be penalizing and disincentivizing uh, the poor who really want to get out of poverty, and you'll be re- rewarding the poor who are in poverty because of poor decisions. Well, the other part to this too is that it's it's not status. Uh, it's it's not a fixed. Not, you know, you're not a member of the rich or the poor for life. Many people start off very poor and end up very rich, and vice versa. Yeah, exactly right. And the whole uh, you know earthly purpose of life is to take whatever you've got uh, at the earliest of stages and build upon it, and end up at the end of the game uh, better off than when you started. Uh, so we're supposed to utilize whatever talents and abilities that we have and cooperate with other people and be better off at age 60 than we were at age 10. Right. And, and, but, of course, that's not necessarily measured by money, is it? I mean, it, uh, you can have aspirations to, for a lot of things, a bodybuilder or for <laughs> having a yeah. good suntan or whatever it might be. It, it's not always financial that uh, people are aspiring for. Exactly right. I. I know and know of a lot of very wealthy people who are very unhappy people, and I also know some uh, poor people who are very, um, uh, I'm not sure if I said that right the first time, I know rich people who are unhappy, Yes, is what I meant to say, and I know poor people who are very happy. Yeah. The stories that always amaze me is the family, you know, where the guy's a postal worker, and they've got 13 kids, <laughs> and, some, and somehow, somehow getting by, and they're very, very happy. Yeah, exactly. So much depends, maybe everything depends upon what's in your heart Mm -hmm. and uh, how you behave and how you regard others and uh, the choices that you personally make in life, not how much uh, you may or may not have in the form of material possessions. So true. Again, uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. You can find this column on fee.org, F-E-E.org, well worth reading. Also, again, if you have a young person in your life, tell them about this website. Visit it yourself and also uh, tell them about the, it's, it's uh, life-changing, quite frankly, in a very positive way because of the focus on character as, uh, as well as uh, the whole idea of uh, good economics. Larry, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many mystery novels. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy. They prepare your elected officials to win. And you can find out more by visiting the website vfga.org. Vfga.org. We have with us Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of some fantastic Murder Mysteries, all located in Washington, D.C. Uh, Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its his latest is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's wonderful to be here this morning, Bob. Thank it's you, a, Jim. a bright day, new Congress, new activity, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, and, and, and gleaming this from the headlines, of course, uh, a debt ceiling standoff, a showdown in Congress, is baked in, and investors should brace themselves in the short run, in the long run, if there's a uh, sensible debt ceiling deal between Republicans and and, uh, Democrats that curb the ability of a president to to spend like a drunken sailor by uh, so-called executive orders. And that'll be a, a wonderful thing for the country going forward. Yeah. You know, Jim, I, I'm so happy you brought this topic up because uh, right now one of the first things that uh, McCarthy says he wants to do is to get rid of the 87th hires of 87,000 new IRS agents. Well, that was part of legislation that's on the omnibus bill that's already been passed. How does he do that? And, in fact, if you can do that, doesn't that help solve the problem that we can just start cutting some of these uh, spending areas, instead of waiting until the 11th hour, which we always do, and then raising the debt ceiling because of fear that we're going to close the government, we can actually start 
making good decisions about how to cut spending now as opposed to later. Yeah, I mean, to your point about uh, governing uh, by, you know, by uh, pending disaster, waiting until the 11th hour to get something done, and, and, and it's always, uh, it's always uh, a patchwork, a temporary solution, because if you, we've, had, we've had debt ceiling crises. I think we've had 20 of them since uh, Gerald Ford, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've, or government shutdowns, because people fighting over uh, the budget at least 20, 20 times. Uh, President Trump had the longest one. I think it lasted 31 days, and there was one that lasted about 23 days during uh, Bill Clinton's administration. Um, the, the stock markets, by the way, generally ignore a government shutdown. Of course. But, but the, debt, the debt ceiling is something else that, that they respond to. Oh. But to, to, your, to your point, uh, the reform that has to be made is, is really to... Um, stifle a president's executive orders. I mean, they, it has to make it, uh, it has to have more congressional input into these these acts. Uh, Biden, for example, with his student loan forgiveness, is misusing the HEROES Act. It's a, it's a bill that was signed by uh, George Bush yeah. uh, during the uh, wars in Afghanistan. Iraq and Afghanistan. It allows the Secretary of Education to to waive the loan requirements for people in combat <laughs> or in a national emer- emergency, or if they live in a na- in a natural disaster area. And President Biden completely misused this, claiming that the COVID nineteen pan- pandemic applies to virtually everybody. So, you know, Congress has to step in and limit the ability of somebody, a spendthrift like Biden, to uh, misuse laws. Yeah, no, and that's and clearly that's that's uh, the, they have the power of the purse. But what about legislation that's already been passed? For example, I've heard some suggestions that we need to defund the FBI or the uh, CIA until they get their act together. What well, you know? How how do you do that? You can't. Can you do that, number one? And uh, can, can, for example, the House of Representatives pull that off on their own? Yeah, Congress can repeal uh, laws. So, uh, in fact, I don't think Congress does that enough. <laughs> it's, a reason, it's a reason why uh, we have uh, too many rules and regulations on the books right now. Uh, it, would be ref- it would be refreshing to see them roll back the bills and even more recess- uh, uh, refreshing to see them go through legislation, say, for the past 30 years and, and you know, uh, get rid of uh, the stuff that uh, inhibits economic growth or, or, you know, complicates our lives. Yeah. Jim, uh, just taking a step back, I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, what happened um, with McCarthy's, the 15 votes, uh, the negotiation for the rules changes and so forth. My opinion is that it was all pretty healthy. A lot of people are pretty upset about it and think it was very embarrassing. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it was healthy. I think um, I don't. I don't agree with uh, everything this group of twenty stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, in order to get their voices heard, in order to get fresh ideas injected into the legislative process, um, you know. It's, a, it's sort of draining the swamp, you know, getting people who are set and fixed in their ways 
because of custom to reconsider, I think it was very healthy. I agree. I mean, to me, Nancy Pelosi was a tyrant. She just ran the House of Representatives. There's no debate, no committee meetings, no nothing. And uh, she just pushed through things in the 11th hour. People never had a chance to read the bills. Everything that was discussed and agreed upon in order leading to this 15th vote and the success from McCarthy was, I think, bringing the House back to the people and putting in rules and regulations that uh, allow the people to have a say. It was so refreshing to me to see people disagreeing on the floor of the House, and uh, uh, that's what I think a republic should look like. Uh, You're absolutely right. We all had a front-row seat. We saw the good, the bad, and the ugly during the Pelosi reign in Congress. Everything was done in back rooms. By, by a cadre of a few uh, Democratic legislators, and then it was ran down the throats mm-hmm. of the Congress. And, and because the Democrats were compliant, uh, to your point, no committee chairman uh, protested and said, you know, you, that's not the way the legislative process works. You're trampling on my rights as a committee chairman. None of, you, nobody raised their voice. So, yes, this is a probably a, a new, hopefully more transparent yeah. era in Congress. Absolutely. And before I let you go, uh, you brought up the whole notion of the uh, financial markets and what's going to happen, especially when it comes to the debt ceiling. Uh, what are your thoughts now going forward? What's going to happen to the markets between now and, let's say, September? Yeah, well, I, you know, Just reading the papers and, and seeing what the analysts are saying, I have to agree that the debt ceiling fight, if it's protracted, will push up Treasury rates, interest rates in general, and engender fears on Wall Street about a possible government default. Uh-huh. Um, and whether it's real or not, higher rates raise default risk. And, you know, the Fed is already raising rates, so this complicates the whole situation for the Fed, and it could, it could really trigger uh, bankruptcies among marginal, marginally profitable companies. So interesting. Jim McTagg, again, Barron's, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of some great murder mysteries. His latest, no problem. I encourage you to get a copy. It's a great read. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I just want to remind you that Wednesday to Saturday evenings, Little Bee's Diner is serving dinner, and it's a great place to dine. they got a great chef, and they're serving great new seafood items. Richie, the chef, has been uh, just uh, doing a terrific job. Salmon, snapper, grouper, all kinds of wonderful things. So that really delicacies. So, uh, again, if you want a good, informal dinner, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, um, Wednesdays through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Hope you tune in tomorrow. We have some uh, great guests, including our state senator and state uh, president of the Senate, uh, Kathleen Pasadomo. Boo Mortensen will be joining us, and Seat Motley, the president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we spread the word and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>